Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane. We're back with another episode of the Lizzie Jane podcast. This week we have Soundar and Danny King joining me. They are amazing, amazing vocalists, lyricists, writers, and producers. They are known for some of your favorite top lines with some of your favorite artists in the electronic dance music community. Soundar just had a song drop with Adventure Club and Blank in the last month, as well as Danny King dropped a song with Tsunami on her debut EP via Bitbird. These ladies were so wonderful to get the chance to speak with them about their own projects and their journey as being a top line vocalist within electronic dance music. I was super excited to discuss some of their personal experiences, social media, splits, and more. Don't forget, you only get these episodes ad-free on my Patreon. The link is linked below, www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane. I just opened up some more spots for lessons this month, so head over to the link, check out the content that we offer. Feel free to send me a message, a DM. I respond to everything. We've got sample packs, vocal packs, tutorials, and more exclusive content from the podcast. As always, make sure if you are loving what we're doing, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like, comment, share with a friend, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Google Podcasts. It means the world. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning into another episode of the Lizzie Jane Podcast. show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. All right, guys, we are back plugged into the Lizzie Jane podcast. Today, I have very special guests here. I have two beautiful vocalists and producers in the EDM world. Um, on the top left, we have uh, Sounder. Her name is Kate, and I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. On the bottom, we have Danny King. You guys have been just killing it, and it's so amazing to kind of see this movement that has started within our scene and community and like paying homage to EDM vocalists more and to the point where you know I I see EDM vocalists starting to get their own sets at festivals and people just like paying more attention and the artists making more of an effort to tag you guys and make sure you're credited for your work because for so long the people who I would say is debatably the most important part of the track has just been kind of put aside. So it's really awesome to have you guys on today. Um, if you guys just want to briefly introduce yourself for our listeners, whoever would like to go first, Kate, we can I'll spell you. Hi, Lizzie. Thank you so much for having us. I'm super stoked to finally get to chat with you. I know we've only, we met once at Lost Lands, which was super fun, but um, for everyone else, I'm Danny King. I'm a singer, songwriter, vocalist. I do vocal production. I do produce. I am currently learning how to DJ so I can be one of those vocalists doing my own sets, but <laughs> I'm California based and I, I, 
do just about everything, but I mostly focus in like the base scene and dubstep. Sweet. Awesome. Well, we're That's really happy to have you on. Yes. And how about you, Kate? Um, yeah, my name is Kate uh, Sounder. I am Salt Lake City based. I have been doing top lines for a long time now, like six years, I think. Um, <laughs> I got my start in punk bands, alternative bands. Uh, EDM kind of just completely fell into my lap, but top lines have been an incredible way to kind of step into that world. Um, vocalist, songwriter, have my own projects, write it for other people. Yeah, it works. I- so awesome. I mean, it's it's really cool too because not only are we coming into, I, I don't know how to say it properly, National Women Month or Month of Women or whatever. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah, today. I didn't know it either. <laughs> oh, I saw it on Twitter. Group. I was like, oh, okay, we can be honored this month. Twitter groups are all blowing up. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, You guys wear like a lot of hats. And like what I see, obviously, like as a producer, where we kind of have to obviously DJ and we travel and we make beats and stuff like a lot of us have to wear those multiple hats in order to make money and whether it's teaching lessons or having a Patreon you guys are so involved in the back end of the songwriting process and and I know both of you guys now when you I I know there's so many different ways that you can be approached to be a part of a project, whether it's your managers reaching out to see if larger artists are looking for top lines or somebody comes to you all, vice versa. Are you guys kind of taking things uh, by a case-by-case basis or is it more so like, hey, we have an inquiry for you. Um, we're looking for just a top line or is it we want you to write the lyrics, we want you to do the top line and we want you to process your own vocals. How How is that kind of varied throughout your experience as being a, a vocalist? Um, for me personally, I just recently started doing my own vocal production. For example, I used to pay an audio engineer in the studio. Yeah, Danny is helping me <laughs> so much, which is an incredible thing to be able to grow and help each other instead of like the competition that sometimes happens between women. Um, But I really prefer to be hands-on with every part of the vocal. I don't really care so much for being handed a set of lyrics, like a top line someone else had written, for example, that they want you to sing. I have done that. It's just not necessarily my favorite thing because you're not putting like, uh, there's not that part of myself in it, if that makes sense. but I think all of the things that you mentioned are things that at least I do, you know, top line, um, melodies, vocal or uh, lyrics, taking on other people's stuff. I just recently um, wrote a song specifically for a male vocalist, which is a really fun opportunity to kind of step into something that's uh, like a totally different perspective for me. So, yeah, all of the above. That's sweet. That's awesome. What about you, Danny? Yeah. Um, honestly, same. I do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm with Kate on that. I don't really love being handed um, lyrics that are already written just because I don't have like an emotional connection to them. I think I've done one song where I was like, okay, this song is sick and I'm really excited to be singing on it that I didn't write personally. Um, so most of the time I'm doing most of my own lyrics, melody. I do like massive harmony stacks. That's like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> and then I do all of my own vocal production. I'm like, pretty strict on that for a long time. I was, I kept on getting back these songs that like were not 
well produced. Like the vocals were not well done. And I just got so tired of it that I was like, I need to learn how to do this myself. So absolutely. Yeah. Taught myself, got like much better at that, was able to do it myself. And so now I not only do my own vocals, but I help with, I help other people with vocal production, teach vocal production lessons. I've been helping Kate get her vocal production going, like (laughs) all that kind of stuff. So it's on its own. Yeah. And I'm that too. Like I sell, um, so usually when I get a song, I'll write like two to three top lines for that one instrumental. And then I'll take the other two and I'll repurpose them to sell them. And a lot of times I'll pull the production out from underneath and I'll put my own like MIDI chord progressions in and stuff. And we'll like, we'll sell the top line with the MIDI chord pro- uh, progressions, stuff like that. I'm trying to get more into the like co-producing side of things too. Not just doing top lines, but like top lines is what pays the bills right now. So that's what I'm sticking <laughs> with. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I can't even... Um, imagine kind of giving your vocals out and and knowing how your voice sounds. And we do kind of live in this world where there are the tools, whether it's Melodyne or Waves or Nectar or whatever out of the box that can make your voice sound, you know, not like you, like a totally different version of you. But to get something back where you know, your vocals don't sound as quality as they should be is probably the most frustrating thing. I can't even imagine. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, and and it's also, I kind of dabbled in that a little bit when I was working with my past management where we would like shop out top lines and like, I'm someone that my vocals is not like a traditional like EDM pop vocalist. And I yeah. think I think you guys both like, both of your voices are beautiful, but they are unique. And they're not like this, like, jack you top line. Like, I need somebody who can, like, belt to a high C and follow the exact scale. And I think that's awesome. And there's, like, a, a type of vocalist that should be there for that. But when you can really, like, implement yourself into the song and, like, hear your vocals and hear your emotion... I can't tell you how many producers like I've sat on buses with or sat at festivals with and they're just like, we just want to find vocalists that like care about what they're doing and like have that emotion in it or it's not going to like connect with their listener. And I'm seeing, you know, women like yourself starting to like really like rise up and take those places where like those lyrics are coming off like the board of a song and like are really audible to the listeners. Cause it's really hard to achieve that, especially if somebody fucks up your vocal processing. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely appreciate that. And I, I agree. Like Kate and I do not have traditional no. EDM top liner voices. Like I, I'm basically a tenor. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not exactly. belting too many high C's for everyone to hear, but then Kate has this like wonderful ethereal, like floating voice that I, I just love. I love so your voice, funny. Kate. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Back at you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and like it, it's, it's cool to also listen. Like it's kind of like a producer where, you listen to a song of theirs and you know it's them. Like whether it's Skrillex or it's Seven Lines. And then you listen to a vocalist and you're like, that's them. And I feel like that's something like... That's the goal. (laughs) Yeah, that's the goal, you know? And and I first discovered you both from Swarm, from Brandon. Yeah, the man. When When you worked with him, which is like so awesome. And he finds these like very unique vocalists that now you guys are like doing your own thing but I'm sure there's you know hardships and experiences that you all have gone through that you know have not left the best taste in your mouth of you know I I don't think a lot of producers know how to 
properly work with vocalists or properly work with top liners. And I don't know if you can like share a little bit of insight in that or some stories that you guys have. That would be, that would be sick. Oh my gosh. I'm confident there's so many. We have all the time. Um, Yeah. For me, it's such an interesting, like the top line world is so interesting because I came from, like I said, bands. So it's a very collaborative, very hands-on, very equal process, if you will. And with top lines, it should it should be that way, in my opinion. You know, the vocals you're talking about are such a major part of the song, but there tends to be this like stigma that vocalists are not real artists or as capable as producers or as talented. And it's just like, oh, we're gonna get a vocal and it's no big deal. You know, they can just pop one out whenever they want. There's no effort into it. But yeah, I think it takes getting to, unfortunately, it takes getting to a certain point in yourself of like confidence and saying, hey, this is how I will be treated. This is my process. You know, here's my voice. Essentially, if you don't want that voice, there's other artists you can go to. But kind of finding that boundary where when somebody approaches you, you're not afraid to ask to be treated how you think you should be so it's less about like telling other people how to treat you or like changing other people's mind but holding that boundary yourself which is kind of an interesting juggling act I think takes a long time to get to that point yes 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 um I definitely think that I'm lucky like 95 percent of the people that I work with are incredibly respectful like really do respect me as an artist and like my knowledge and expertise because like Kate said, a lot of times people don't think of vocalists as like real artists or we're just like not a, an important part of the collaboration, which is like kind of insane because most of these songs that have like lyrics and melody would not be the same song without that. Like they wouldn't be as popular, like truly. So I'm, I'm really lucky that most of the people I work with are really nice, respectful. They respect my opinions. They respect my, my writing and like what I want the song to turn out uh, as well, or like how I want the song to turn out as well. Um, I just recently had an, a bit of an experience. Uh, I, had, I had to make a post on Twitter about it because my yeah, manager told me to, and I was just like, this is so awkward. Um, <laughs> so, and I think, I think Kate will like understand this too. Um, being a top liner, we do have to be flexible and like be open to negotiating terms and understanding that everyone's coming from somewhere with a certain kind of budget um, and just being open to talking. And like, it's okay if you can't dip to their budget, but just being respectful of everybody. And so we, um, my team, as you were saying earlier, my team both cold pitches out to other artists and we have artists reach out to us. Like I got the Swarm collab because we, we cold pitched out to him. Okay. Like I found him and I was like, I want to work with this guy. So yeah. we didn't him and that's how I got that collab. Do that all the time. So we were doing some cold pitches and we got an email back from like a large artist manager that was like, the email said, word on the street is you're selling your top lines for $2,000. Uh, if that's the case, we're not interested. We'd like to be able to negotiate. And we were like, what? <laughs> like first so of all, hostile. Jeez. it was so hostile. And I was like, what? Like, who said that? Yeah. First of all, that's not my vocal fee. Second of all, we negotiate always. And third, for big artists, like, often we will waive our initial vocal fee to go after label advances because that's a totally normal thing to do, right? 
Um, so we went back and said that and then they never responded. And I was like, I was sitting there thinking, okay, so someone's talking shit and it might've just cost me work. And I'm like, that's so oh, rude. That would piss me the fuck off. Yeah. There's so I, many sides to that, that though. I know, it was like, so if you weird. were, if you, my, my thought, and I think we talked about this, it's like, if your top line fee was $2,000, there's a reason yeah. for that. Yes. There's and I did get and messages saying, saying good for you if that's your fee you should yeah. keep it like that. i was like ah, i and love you thank even you <laughs> then, even if it is two thousand dollars you are always gonna be in a place where you're like yeah let's negotiate and for somebody to come at any artist vocalist or otherwise with that energy of like if you charge this much you're not worth it whatever it's just like why you know yeah. and that goes yeah. back to what we're talking about with vocalists being treated differently than other artists in the industry like, yeah. okay, let's say somebody, a producer is getting booked and they're like, hey, my booking fee is $2,000. And somebody emails like that, like, there's no way, there's no way that would fly. It's very weird. I'm actually very yeah. glad that the guy emailed and told us that that was what was being said on the sure. street, whatever that means. But because it, it made us aware that someone's been talking and someone's been lying, like straight up lying. Because so weird. Obviously, that's not how we operate, especially when we're the ones cold emailing people. Like, yeah. And, and I feel like every situation can definitely be different, you know? And, and like, as a, as a, I mean, if you were, I imagine the flip being switched. And like, if somebody went to, you know, him or his artist with, a, with a booking offer and said, you know, they said, okay, we're going to offer you 500. Okay, no, well, we're worth 4,000. And the guy goes, well, your act isn't worth that. Do you know how much yeah. any manager would go the fuck off? Like, right. Literally, literally go off. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's definitely, I think across the board, the larger the opportunity, unfortunately, a lot of the times, the less you're going to get compensated for it. And exactly what you said, like if you have this opportunity to work with a really awesome artist who has an exclusive deal on X label that you've never been a part of that could allow you to be a top line vocalist for that label for other artists and you go for the label advance fee versus charging that artist right off the bat in their team. I mean, that's 100% the right move. Whereas if you you have, you know, maybe a startup project that doesn't have a huge discography, that doesn't have a lot of listeners, but they have the budget to get someone like you, then yeah, I'm $2,000. Like, like right. it, everything is, is a different kind of way out, but it is unfortunate where you do see this, this back end of our industry that gets really ugly sometimes. And like, I don't know if you guys saw the um the thing on Twitter about the Gareth Emery email. Oh my god, I just saw that and was like, I did not see okay, that. Okay, okay. So he's about to put out an album that I think he's worked like three to four years on. I would definitely say it's more of a radio friendly album because they were doing pitches to um whether it's label play or certain certain radio stations and somebody what'd you say? Isn't it trance music? So I don't think his new album is trance. I think his new album is really pushing this gap from what he's known for, which is trance, out into a more marketable field. And that's why they were doing these pitches. However, no, I don't know the backstory. But the email that he received back was basically like, you make music for druggies. Um, you should stay in your lane. And like it was from a very high credited like person from a label. And And I think that's just like, 
artists get these things that happen to them sometimes from people who don't understand art and people who yeah. don't value art. And it's, and it's really disheartening. And it's so crazy to see somebody at such a high experienced career level as, as Gareth Emery, you know, going through the yeah. same shit that people like all of us go through. And, and it's crazy to just see like the infrastructure of how it goes all the way up, like the board. And there's still sometimes just people who, are really just like senseless and and it's 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 insane and it just you know you would hope based off of experiences like yours Danny that you know other people take notes to you know hopefully not spread some un untrue things or or the fact that you know I would never sit down at a table and discuss my booking fee with other artists it's yeah that stays like right. off the table and every situation is is different and and especially as like as a vocalist you guys have so many factors that can be different that can cause certain things to happen and like as far as like a label advance fee for like our listeners do one of you guys want to like explain that sure um so basically um there are there are multiple ways to make money off of releases and one of them is to request an advance from the label so basically what happens is they they pay out your royalties in advance so let's say um Let's say you sign a song to Monster Cat and you ask for a, 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 an advance fee. Um, so they'll give you your advance fee. Let's say it's like a grand. So then what they do is they recoup that fee out of your royalties. So all of your first few royalty statements up until that number is recouped are often zero. Depending on the label, sometimes they'll recoup part of it and pay out part of your royalty fees as it goes. So it it just depends. Um, it's all in the contract. That's just generally the the basics of like how a label advance works. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, I'm sure. I mean, Kate, you've been you've just had some massive back to back releases. And I mean, yeah. like, you just yeah, actually did. No, I know. It's I I keep <laughs> name pop up, and I'm like, damn. I was like, they're both killing it. Like they're both yeah. really hard. And like, it's a lot of hard work. It yeah, really truly is. And, and to, to get yourself with, now, would you say like for the Adventure Club song or for the Blank song, are these things that, you know, do you have a manager? Did you guys pitch these out? Or was it something that, that came through a mutual friend? Or do you have personal relationships with these artists? Sure. I have only had management, I think, a year and a half. Okay. I think it was December, 2020. Um, so I built my career by myself before yeah. that and was cold pitching you know everything and that's a lot so thank god i have my team now they're amazing but the adventure club track actually is kind of interesting how that came to be fancy monster another incredible act um they reached out to me and i wrote a top line for them and then somehow adventure club heard it and wanted to be a part of it so that's another thing that I think is important to note for anybody that wants to step into that or even producers. It's like this, every opportunity you get, treat it like it's this big deal, you know, cause you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like fancy monster is incredible. And I had no idea that it was going to be even more so that way. Like it was going to grow that way and get placed with adventure clubs. So I'm really grateful that we took on that project. Um, and now it's out. It's an amazing thing. And they, also provided a really interesting writing opportunity because they wanted a top line based completely in fantasy. They didn't want any like real life emotion or anything. So 
it was really cool to see. And then the blank song, um, that top line is actually four years old, three or four oh, wow. years old. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know it's so weird to like have it be placed and then get released and step back into the emotions that you had when you wrote that so long ago. There's just like time travel or something. Um, but that was a cold pitch, I believe. My team, you know, works closely with that. So that's they, awesome. Are, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Oh, hey, wait. What does, what does fantasy writing mean? Explain that. Cause I've so never heard that. that yeah. I hadn't either. I was so excited. So I am a huge nerd, huge horror fan, huge anime manga fan, you know, everything. So when they were like, we don't want a love song, we don't want a breakup song. We want you to just like create this other world. And that song is actually about a vampire. That's crazy. About how it feels to be undead. <laughs> wow. There we, I mean, so that's, cool. But that's so cool because I feel like, yeah, like when I sit down to write, I feel like my mind goes to breakups or love yeah, or your own experiences. Like, or your own experiences. Exactly. Yeah. You're like writing about where you're at currently in the hopes that other people will be in that same situation right. and be able to relate to you. But that's like such a unique writing opportunity that they're trying to create more so of a an environment or like a state yeah. of story. And I, like, so I think cool. like music video would be like really fucking cool. Oh like, my gosh. I would love that someday. That'd be so cool. But yeah, <laughs> I was really thrilled to have that opportunity because you're right. More often than not, it's like, okay, I always ask the producer if they had a certain emotion or story or something in mind when they send a top line. And usually it's like something un- cliche, I guess, like yeah. love song or whatever breakup song. So to have it be so different was a lot of fun. That's really cool. And like when you guys have, when you guys are like writing to eventually send out like clean top line pitches to producers or vice versa, do you guys kind of have like, a wheel that you spin on that you're like, I'm going to write about this today. So like you don't have all of your like songs sound exactly the same, or is it like, I'm going to write in this key and I'm going to write in this BPM and I'm going to write a story. Like I'm going to like dive into this character or is it just like, I feel this way right now. And like, this is how I'm going to write. I'm sure you have a bit of both. Both. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's just a crap shoot for the day. Usually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Danny and I recently wrote a song that we were like, just Halcyon before that. Yeah. So before that, like for me, when I'm writing a top line, I will just listen through it and like hum different melodies. And if there's like a word that I hear or like a cadence or something, I'll try to find a word or phrase that fits that. Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads to the content, like the story behind it. But with the song that we wrote, we were just really like shooting the shit. Like what would be cool to write about today? (laughs) And I think you Googled what? Yeah, we didn't really think of like a, a subject because we need we needed it to like fit a certain artist and it needed to be kind of this like almost fantasy, like ethereal kind of vibe, right? So we started looking up Greek mythology and we we came across the like Halcyon and Kex love story. And so we decided to like write using that theme because Halcyon means like three different things too. So mm-hmm. we <laughs> we found that and we were like, all right, well, we're just gonna run with that today. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that also is something that you and I are very good at too, is like finding really unique words and unique ways to tell stories. And we're both very lyrically focused. Um, We don't, we don't really write uh, 
like pop, you know, just like this basic pop song is very in depth. And every time we write, there is like purpose and thought and a lot that goes into not only the melody, but really for sure the lyrics. Yeah. When I'm writing more like songs that are supposed to be a little bit more like commercial style, I literally have to like stop and be like, tone it down. It's okay yeah. to put this line in. You might think it's corny, but it's not that corny. <laughs> <laughs> Chill. That was, that was Danny that was like coaching song. me through this uh, house song that I was writing. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. Please help me. I want to like tell this intricate, beautiful story. And she's like, dude, just chill. <laughs> It's how it needs like four lines and it'll yeah. be perfect. <laughs> oh man. It's hard to turn it off sometimes, but no, mm-hmm. I like to write, I like to write in like a combination of different ways. Sometimes I'm like a lot of times I try not to treat songwriting as like an emotional outlet because like it is my job. And if that's my emotional outlet and my job, then I'm going to have a problem. So I'll set aside, like I write during the day. I write during like office hours. I set myself office hours. I work that way. Only occasionally will I step outside of that. And if I'm stepping outside of it, I'm usually writing something just personally for myself. Um, and so working that way is really interesting because I'm, I can draw from my own personal experiences, but I'm looking at it from a little bit more of like a clinical aspect, if that makes sense. So I'll go and I'll like, I'll go on like Rhyme Brain and just find a bunch of words that I love. I'll go on thesaurus.com. I'll look up stories like we did the other night, like, I try to do a little bit of everything to keep it interesting. (laughs) I think, yeah, I very similar to where you, I feel like you doing top lines for a living. You have to have that separation. Yeah. Like desperately. (laughs) Yeah. Especially like having our own projects too. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't want to just like dump everything you have into every top line because you have to, you know, reserve some of you for your own stuff. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition of like yeah these are beautifully written whatever poetic songs but they also are just like random that day (laughs) some (laughs) random word that I thought was cool that day yep exactly (laughs) and I mean I think that's like what you said Danny that's such a good point and I think I'm in a position right now too where I'm like doing all these things to feel like artistically fulfilled but like none of that includes writing electronic dance music and so having like your office hours where you're like okay I'm clocked in like I'm doing my top line I'm doing I'm finishing this remix I'm finishing this collab and like this is what I have to do to send this off and then like go and I'm gonna do my own thing and I'm gonna do like what I I feel like but it's it's crazy because it's we are in this profession where you know, you reach a limit. And like, I tell my students this all the time where like your ears kind of burn out. I feel like as a writer, like you also can only like, you can write so much, but then you have to like reflect and you're, you're looking at what is quality, what can be pushed forward, what should be sold, what should I keep for myself? And exactly what Kate just said, you guys both have your own projects. So that's a whole other differentiation that you guys have to say, these are sellable. This is commercial. This is great for EDM. And then this is what I want to keep for myself. And uh, now I know that like, Danny, you're more on the route where like, you're looking to stay in EDM. You're looking to DJ. You're moving to that transition where, you know, you're going to be able to have your in-ear monitor. You're going to DJ. You're going to sing very Cruella, very me, very Lucy, very Jaina, kind of like moving in that direction where Kate, you're like totally indie 
pop punk pop kind of that because you already had an EP that was released where you were totally doing your own thing so I mean I would love to know a little bit more about both of your your own projects and how long you guys have been building that up as well yeah I'll go I guess I'll go um (laughs) so yeah so my project is pretty much exclusively alternative um lots of pop punk but um like alternative pop in there as well with the previous EP. Um, But I also feel like that EP for me was very much testing the waters of where I could go as a solo artist, you know, having done EDM for so long and developing as a vocalist and stuff like that, it was really cool to step into really every song on that EP was a different genre. Um, And now after doing that and taking some time from it and some space, what I'm working on now is just like, a whole other level that I have always wanted to get to, but have never had the confidence to do. So I think that EP served its purpose, but I will also say that that's like not the sound going forward, I guess. Um, yeah. Like it's good to have a different variety of sounds. I feel like now more than ever, people are seeing that, like, don't put yourself in a box. Don't yeah. put yourself in this one. That was exactly <laughs> what my goal was with that EP was like, this is my first body of work outside of dance music. I want to show that I'm not going to corner myself into this. I want to write pop punk. I want to write alternative. I want to write pop, whatever. And yeah, now the focus really is like 2000s grunge alternative inspired, like Linkin Park kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And that's where my (laughs) roots are. I love emo, screamo, post-hardcore metal. Like that's, that's my thing. So to be able to go back to that and step into that world again is so nice. And kind of going back to what we were talking about with like scheduling throughout the week, top lines versus your own project. I have a tendency, I mean, we all do to just go a million miles an hour, work a hundred hours a week, you know, whatever. So it's become essential to me now to say, here are my scheduled top line days. Here are my scheduled sounder days. Here's a content creation day here and there. Um, in that, having those days for myself kind of keeps me going writing top lines. Cause I feel like if I was only doing that for forever, I personally would not feel fulfilled. So it is like having a day job and then doing mm-hmm. like your passion project, I guess. Bless you for having a schedule. I feel yeah. like. It is so hard. I have tried and I've failed a lot of times. Yeah, (laughs) I actually just was having this conversation like the other day where I'm big on mental health. Um, And for me, I feel like now, because I've only recently started doing music full-time. I had a full-time job before that. So now it's like, I know that I'm demanding so much of my brain. I know that I'm demanding, we write two to three top lines a week. We write sounder stuff every week. So now I have to create a life that's conducive to that. You know, what does my schedule look like? Am I eating right? Am I drinking enough water? Am I getting sunshine? Am I going to the gym? You know, whatever. Am I sleeping? And even like plants and stuff like that. You have to like make a life that's conducive to how much you're demanding of your brain. But I don't even, I don't have it all figured out, but that's the goal. It takes a long time. Look at there. I'm I'm three years in and I'm still figuring it out. And like, like it's, it gets to be a lot sometimes because you constantly are like, I've worked so hard to have an opportunity to do this for a full-time job. And now that like I'm here, you have to almost like 
take yourself out of your own body and be like, this is Danny King and this is Danny and this is Lizzie Jane and this is Lizzie and this is Andre and this is Kate. (laughs) It's really easy to just feel like you're sitting on the couch and you're like, I should be doing this. And 100%. Oh my God, I can't turn my my phone (laughs) off. But instead I'm like, why aren't you in your room writing? Why aren't you doing Mm -hmm. this? Why aren't you doing something to better yourself? Because if you did it right now, it could make a change in where you're going. And it's like 100% bullshit. And your man just like... It's so hard to stop though. It's so hard. It's, 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 it's literally, it's, it's just insane. And like, how do you deal with that, Danny, kind of that differentiation? I mean, I know you said like, you kind of have your office hours and then you have your Danny hours, but are you doing this full time or are you still balancing some other forms of income as well? So I am currently full time. I had to go full time when the pandemic started because I got laid off from my bartending job. Um, I bartended my way through college. I bartended my way into this. So (laughs) um, that was an aggressive amount of work just in general. I remember at one point I had three bartending jobs at a time and I was still trying to do music. And it was just like, that was the year that I burned myself out. Um, and I didn't write music for like three months. And I promised myself that I was like never going to do that again. And the reason why that happened is because I didn't take a single day off for like months. And so my new rule, even when things are absolutely bananas, like they are now, like I've been terrible about actually sticking to my office hours because I've had so much to do and so many deadlines coming up. I've been working till like 11 every night. Um, but my num- my number one rule is it take one day off a week? Sunday, <laughs> my Sunday is my manager's day off. So Sunday is also my day off. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I do whatever I want to. If I need to do my laundry, if I need, if I need to go to the brewery and get drunk with my friends, like whatever. That's Sunday's my day. Um, but I'm I'm actually kind of the opposite of Kate. I love top lining. I love it. I love writing for other people. I love writing with other people. Like I love the collaboration. It's actually really hard for me to set aside time to work on my own project because I am like so just like deep into working with other people because I yeah. love it. It's, it's so much fun for me. Um, so I, at, at some point this year, once I get a handle on the insanity that is my schedule right now, I need to actually sit down and take time to figure out like when is going to be the first Danny King release? Like, how am I going to do all that? What's going to happen with that? What songs do I want to hold on to for myself? Because right now I like everything I write, I pitch everything. And yeah. if someone doesn't want it, then I'm like, that's fine. I still love it. I'm going to take it back. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and it's also like you have to take a step back and be like, oh my God, I've helped create so many visions for like other people for their projects. And now like, what do I want mine to be? And I'm sure that can yeah. be kind of crazy too because like I suck at collabing because like I'll take back a collab and I'll like delete everything the person did or I like (laughs) won't do anything and I'll just be like okay I'm just gonna like do a little like thing here because I'm like so kind of controlling of like a certain vision so I can't imagine it being like just giving yourself to like be a part of like a lot of other people's work where like you are an integrated like asset to that project but it's like not completely yours and like there's this like middle line of beauty of like being a part of something so much like bigger than yourself and then having this thing where you're like yeah I did everything here like this is all me like this is it yeah and like so far I've really thrived in that like collaborative effort like that is just 
that's my bread and butter. It's what makes my heart happy. Like I really do genuinely enjoy like collaborating and creating something with someone else. Like I, I love that. So it's daunting for me to want to step back and do everything myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like excited. I'm getting more excited about it as we go. Like, it, but it is. It's it's very daunting when it's not something that I've done, and especially since I, I definitely still feel like I am a newer and building artist. Like I'm still very small, so I'm still trying to build up a little bit more of a fan base and a little bit more of an audience. And I just think I'm gonna have a better opportunity to do that releasing solo projects. Absolutely. So like, I gotta get on it. <laughs> no, well, well, I think I mean everybody's journey is like so different, and I think a lot of people like reflecting on like where I'm at personally right now is is I do believe that everything that happens in a journey of like an artist's career is leading to like a a a decision in the future so like you have to do everything you're doing now in order to do what you want to do like in the future and and what I think we're all still up and coming artists, like a hundred percent where like, we're still pushing our fan bases. We're still trying to get out there. And what you're doing is like, you're positioning yourself to so many different demographics by you both being top line vocalists so that you will develop this following. Like I use like Haleen as a really good example where she's developed this following off of singing on all these guys tracks. And now she's like, I'm going to, you know, still sing those ones live, but I'm going to do my own thing and have my own tracks and do my own production or my production and have that as an instrumental in the back. And I think that's really awesome too. And, And I definitely think she's one of many that will, you know, soon be, you know, A to Z billings on festivals in the future, 100%. Yeah, definitely. I think top line artists are in a super unique position like that too, because there's not very many, uh, other avenues that I can think of off the top of my head where you are involved in so many different genres, so many different projects. You are integrated into different fan bases and all of the inner workings of that. And I think that that gives us a unique advantage also in, um, maybe not advantage, but a unique avenue in building our own projects. Mm -hmm. Like you said, having access to all of those different fan bases and also the learning process of working in so many different genres and finding what your voice is suited for or how you want to tell a story or like who you want to interact with, who you want to write with and be part of their project, you know? Definitely. And like, just how you were saying that you guys were kind of writing together the other day. Do you guys have like um, a small group of, I would say like other vocalists or other writers that you guys kind of bounce ideas on and off of, or do you primarily kind of, work within your own like realm and then you know share it with the artist that you're doing a top line for or share it with somebody who's like close to you I do both um I I have a lot of I have a lot of girlfriends and it's all girls too which I love um I have have a lot of girlfriends that I'll balance top lines off with or I'll like do co-writes and stuff with but I I pump out top lines so fast I just kind of do it and send them all out. The like it's really amount of top lines you write in a month <laughs> is mind blowing. It's me. like how many would you say? Ballpark. So many. So many. Um three for I each would instrumental. Have, yeah, three for pretty much three for each instrumental that I get, and I get like seven to ten instrumentals a month. That's a lot. I, yeah, I write a lot of songs. 
lot. Do you so, ever like butt head to head with the person you're like writing for? Like, does that ever yes, happen? Yes, often. Because, okay. okay. yeah, I, I feel like one time I did like a top line when like they were trying to be like, hey, we're going to like do you as like a top line. And I was like, ooh, I have like a really like unique voice. And like, I don't know if that's going to like really work out. And they were just like, um, we need it to be like poppier. And I was like, well, I don't have a pop voice. I hate that. <laughs> Does that ever like happen to you guys where they're oh, yeah. like, all the time? Like, yeah. if, like, here's the thing. I'm always open and, I, and part of the collaboration process is collaborating. If there's something yeah. that they want to hear, a lot of times they'll have great ideas and I'm like totally down for it. But sometimes they'll send something back and my response will just be like, that's not happening. Sorry. I like it. Like, I like it this way. And that's, and, and I'll send them the comparison side by side just to show them like, this is not going to work. And 90% of the time they're like, okay, no problem. It's very rare that it actually goes any further than that. But yeah, I'll, I'll put my foot down when I need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People absolutely. are usually really great about collaborating, but again, it comes down to that boundary of like, you get to a certain point in your career with like the confidence. And also you just don't have time to argue those points like you're coming to me for this vocal for a specific reason like you reached out to me as a vocalist because you've heard my voice you like the style so if you don't want that let's find the vocalist that you do you know and if you do like let's work on it let's find the middle ground let's collaborate and make the project good for both of us but yeah it's interesting it's an interesting thug- juggling act for sure do you guys know really- oh wait go for it go sorry no i was gonna say one of the reasons why i write like so when I say I write three top lines per instrumental I get, it's usually somewhere between two and four, to be honest. Um, and I'll write half top lines. So I'll do the verse and the chorus and I'll send them all of them. And I'm like, pick your favorite. And then from there, we'll write the rest of the song and we'll do all the edits there. Okay. So that way, by the end of it, I like, there's no revisions. We wrote the song together. You chose that. So like, that's going to be the song. Yeah. And if you're coming back after we're done with the vocals being like, hey, so I changed my mind. Then it's like, there's a bigger problem there. That's not me. <laughs> Yeah, I think I it's so interesting to listen to like other top line and vocalist process because like Danny's process is could we could not be more different. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't like the how fast your brain works and how the capacity that you have to write is just mind blowing for me. We're like, thank you. <laughs> I definitely it's yeah. Oh my gosh, I respect it so much. And I it's so cool that like everybody's on an equal playing field, you know, like your process is different than mine and nobody's better than each other. We have so much to learn from each other. And I'm grateful for that. Like we were, you're asking about process. I write hundred percent on my own, like all the time. I think actually the first co-writing session that I've had in forever was with Danny. And it was so much fun. (laughs) It was fun. I am also just like such an introvert that it's, Sometimes, I don't know, writing sessions are very unique. It's a very unique experience where you kind of have to have chemistry with the other person for it. If you're like butting heads or like trying to be better than each other, it just doesn't work. Um, And I've had some interesting experiences with that. But yeah, my process now is just I wake up, I make coffee, I sit at my desk and I just write top lines or write for my project. So it's so interesting to see how everything comes together when it's just completely different processes, like very individualized ways of doing Absolutely. similar things. And I mean, I think that's like the cool thing about being an artist. Like you can do it however the fuck you want to do it. Like as long yeah. as it comes out with that process. And I mean, it's the same with me. Like after COVID, 
not only do I feel like I kind of got out of like my 21 year old like party phase, I think <laughs> it was like I went right from that into COVID. And now I'm like, the podcast is my way of being an extrovert. And like, yeah, my time, I'm like, and I don't even have to leave my four walls most of the time, which is like <laughs> 100% yes, like fair game. But yeah, I mean, do you guys, do you find that you, have a lot of competition in the field of being a top line vocalist? Uh, I have two thoughts on that. When I first started, I felt so much competition. Like I, there was no one to go for questions. There was not a friendly answer in the game. And so in, you know, 2015, 2016, I'm like, what the hell is a top line? Like someone asked me to write this. I don't know what that is, but like, I think I can write a song for you, you know? So back then I definitely felt that. And I'm confident that a lot of it was like imposter syndrome on my part too. But there's also been over the last few years, this huge shift of female artists and EDM acknowledging that we're all going through the same shit. We all face the same struggles. We all have the same obstacles. And why are we like fighting with each other? Like maybe not fighting, but you know, there's no competition. It's more supportive and compassionate and people are working with each other like female producers vocalists everybody's working together and it's so much healthier and like for myself having female friends in the industry now is like a very stark contrast from when I started so I started I was like man it's gonna be like a mean girl situation like I just don't want to go back to high school you know and now it's like some of my very very best friends are female artists in the industry or you know anybody maybe not even artists just like females in the music industry that support each other absolutely and I feel like it's because we've all like crossed this bridge where like when we started on the bridge especially because of I think how the industry was a few years ago as well and of course there's still not enough roles for women there's still not enough women on lineups like there's still so much so much further to go but I would speak to Jeannie and you know when we kind of started like I'd say like four years ago we really only knew the top EDM you know producers who were like Alice in Wonderland and Rez and whipped cream was coming up and then there was like we knew like five girls in like every corner of the United States. And that was like our kind of, you know, chatting back and forth. And then at the same time, you know, we were always told that there was like only one slot for a female. So yeah. it was like this programming where, where you had to take a step back and go like, I really fuck with this person, but yeah, like they are my competition and like they are someone who's potentially going to take an opportunity or take a booking from me. And now I feel like there's so many women on the back end of the industry and the front end of the industry where there is a demand and there's a call from the consumers for more women. So it allows it to be a little bit like you still see it. There's still instances where you're like, man, like, why can't you just try and put on another girl? Like, why can't you just try? Like, there's room for everybody and there's so many different lanes in which women can be successful. But it's it's definitely so pleasant to see now where I suck at, like, chatting back and I suck at, like, being parts of groups online. But it's amazing to see that it's there and that there's women, yeah. like, participating in it every single day. And 
being supportive towards other women. Cause like, that's the only thing that I think the change will come from within. And the fact that like the consumer and the people buying tickets wants it calls for the agents and the talent buyers to like meet their needs for us being there. I actually like a thousand percent agree with what Kate said. Like I started doing top lines in 2015. So yeah, about seven years ago now. Um, and I didn't know any women in the industry, like literally not a single one. Um, and so when I moved out to Los Angeles, um, cause I went to, I went to college in Nashville. So I moved out here and Kara actually went to the same college as me and had the same voice teacher. So she connected us and Kara was always super nice. Um, and like really like friendly. And then, um, one of the other girls I connected with like fairly early on was Sarah Skinner, who was also like, she's the first, first person who gave me any sort of vocal production advice, which like that kind of behavior has really inspired me moving forward. And like, I want to do the same and pay it forward for people that are entering the industry as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like it used to feel like it was really competitive, but I don't, I literally don't feel any sort of competition anymore, especially because like my management company is like almost entirely made up of top liners. So, <laughs> so like awesome. sometimes I'll get a song, like if someone sends me a hard style song and I really, I'm sorry for everyone that loves hard style, but I really don't, <laughs> I really don't love it. So <laughs> that's okay. I'm not saying it's not good. It's just not for me. So that's if someone sends a hard style song to me, I'm going to be like, this is not for me, but there's another artist on our roster that loves hard style. Let me connect you with her. Like, like helping people get opportunities, trading contacts, giving new people advice, helping people break into the industry when you really believe in their project is like, I love that. Like, it's really important to me because not a lot of people did that for me. So I want to create a better environment moving forward. That's like, yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's what I think is amazing about like what I see now is like all these girls are like, I just want people to not make the same mistakes I did. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny (laughs) that like Kara and Sarah were both you know, some of the first people too that I worked with and gave that advice. Like I went out and stayed with Kara for a few days and that was actually my first experience in co-writing and songwriting people. So yeah. So it's just like being able to be in a position where you feel empowered to share that with other people is so important. And like you said, we didn't have that. We had no help until, you know, a certain point. And those people that did step in and provide that information and guidance, mm-hmm. it's like a life-changing thing because then you're like, yep, I'm for sure going to do that. I want to help other people yeah. find their lane and find their confidence and literally find their voice, like how how to do this. Because it's not this unattainable, unreachable thing. It's just very nuanced. And sharing that with exactly a huge yeah. like, thing that we have. Definitely. And like some of the people that have been the most instrumental to helping me, especially as far as like learning vocal production and learning production are the people that I collab with the most. So like Omos, uh, Omos is my, my production teacher. Like he's the one that teaches me how to do all that stuff. And then, um, Highland is the one who taught me vocal production. And he and I, like, (laughs) he was my bar back when we were bartending (laughs) <laughs> and so we we did a collab together and this was right when I signed with my management and I brought it to my manager and she was like this guy's amazing does he have management and I was like nope here you go so brought him into the team and like 
everyone on our team always just tries to work in a very collaborative fashion like that, whether it's, whether it's working on music together or teaching people something new or sharing information or sharing contacts or promoting each other's music. Like that's just, that's just kind of the goal is to like bring everyone up together. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like super awesome because there are definitely teams that don't work like that. And, and which is baffling to me like what <laughs> yeah there's quite a few and I think you are in like a super special place where like you are working alongside people who are like really like looking out for each other and like with like-minded individuals and that's like so awesome speaking of um Sarah I actually just came across her new project today oh boy. yeah incredible absolutely incredible I have it's no so cool. idea I had no idea because I I actually just I'm about to reach out to her to come on the podcast when she's in town, yeah. and because my friend was like, oh, I'm I might be TMing for um her new project, and I was like, oh, I had no idea she had a new project, and I looked at, it, I was like, what the fuck? This is fucking dope. Like it's this is so, so cool to watch like her path and her growth because that's like she's always wanted to do that. It's never been about wow. just exclusively top landing. She was like, this is what I want to do this is my vision. I'm going to go get it. And she did. And she did very quickly. Absolutely smashed it too. Her first, I think it was like her first two or three releases were all on New Music Friday. Like it was nuts. (laughs) She's killing it. I know. So good to see. And it definitely like shows that it is obviously possible. And there is that crossover where you can take someone who's simply been a top line vocalist and develop a full independent project where, you know, mm-hmm. if top lining isn't their long-term goal, they don't have to do that forever. And like, that's, that's really cool. Cause you do, you do have to definitely like look at your priorities and say, okay, like I need this to pay the bills and I need to do yeah. this. And my whole thing is as long as it has something to do with music or teaching music or being in audio engineering, I'm all game for it. If it makes me money and like I can take it on, like I will do it a hundred percent. And I think like as long as you have that skill set to do it, as long as you're working in, you know, what you're pursuing, your your passion in, then like you're pretty much winning. Like even if it's absolutely yeah, exactly. you're so blessed. Like the fact that we even have the opportunity to do what we love for a living is like something that should never be lost on us. Even though we're constantly like chomping at the bit to grow and, you know, pursue different opportunities. It's like the fact that one, we know what we love and we are passionate about. And two, we're good at it. And three, it's our career is like an absolutely incredible thing. Most people in their 20s still have no idea what the fuck they want to do with it. Yeah. Like, like, for real. <laughs> and, like I know from like a very young age. And I think a lot of people who are doing this now at our age did as well. But knowing and like doing and taking action to actually make it happen that's even a smaller percentage of people and then getting to the point where you know you have enough opportunities to not be a bartender to not work a finance job to not have to do whatever is another level of like gratitude and like definitely I have my moments of bitching and complaining I think all do you know but it's also (laughs) taking the step back and saying okay we are definitely fortunate enough to live you know in the world that we live in in the country we live in where we've been able to get up every day and do what we want to do and like we have a roof over our head and we're able to eat and we're able to do whatever and like sometimes that becomes lost in social media and it becomes lost in like the rat chase and we just live in this age where I mean I don't know what do you guys think because I've seen this ongoing argument lately of the content creator versus artist oh god 
Oh, I went soapbox. Oh no, I did because I do have some feelings about it. Yeah, go go. I hate video content. <laughs> I hate it so much. I do too. I'm oh, so God. awkward trying to make TikToks and I don't know how people just do this. Like, and also I just it's like don't generally have time to sit down and like record a bunch of covers because I have 16 open projects right now. Like I literally don't create. have time. You're trying to create yeah. like, I'm, I'm not a video editor. This is not my forte. And so something like what I love to do. I have a photographer that I adore. He's one of my best friends. I really like to get together with him and create photo content and create beautiful, beautiful art with him. And that's really fun to me. So the problem that I have with social media right now, specifically Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, not Twitter, because Twitter is just Twitter is what it is. Yes, it's <laughs> posting, and I love that. But the problem I have with Instagram trying to chase after TikTok is they're getting rid of photo content when they are literally like the top photo sharing app. And it's like, just stick with what you're good at. Thank like, you. like, and let the people who are good at it stick to what they're good at. Yeah. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. <laughs> it's just, and it's, it's great. I literally tweeted about this the other day because I have like no cap deleted and restarted my TikTok five times because like, literally <laughs> no. like, I like lose brain cells when I'm on it because like, I just, I like look at things and I'm just like, I'm trying to fight against like high schoolers. Like I feel like I'm fighting against high schoolers to create content that is like trending that doesn't really have to do with like my job or my life Um, just just to maybe have like a song pop off. And like, I use like Zingara as like a really good example because she's used that to her extent. And, and you can't ignore the fact that it is this platform to market yourself on. And there are huge beneficial factors to it, but it is upsetting to see platforms that have existed for other purposes, like Instagram, like Facebook, all targeting the reels now. Now, there is like a little voice in the back of my head that goes, okay, well now you can just do like one form of content and da 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 da. But I feel like you're just chasing something that's like never ending and it's always changing and the algorithm will always be different. And it's exactly. it's like this never ending rat race to figure it out to be able to use it to like the highest potential. Cause you do yeah. see people use it and they get opportunities from it and they become successful and they do X, Y, and Z. But for the majority of people, I feel like in our industry, like social media for the most part is used as a marketing tool and it's not directly like putting money into your pocket. It's not directly like offering you this like world of opportunity from the one viral TikTok of you impersonating like Justin Bieber. Like, (laughs) like, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, okay. Social media is like my soapbox. Yeah. (laughs) I am so much a mental health focused person. And my projects, that's what I'm about. Like me as a person, I'm always texting my friends, like, how are you? How's your brain? Let's talk about it. And social media is designed to take us out of what's actually happening in our brains, right? Like we're scrolling, we immediately get a dopamine hit. We're addicted to removing ourselves from ourselves. That being said, if we can find ways to use it as the tool that it is like my therapist actually I was venting to her about this because it's something that I genuinely struggle with and she's like set a timer when you have to post go on for your 15 minutes and if you find yourself going to go on social media after that like ask yourself what am I distracting myself from what am I running from or whatever it may be but it is such an incredible tool that it's like I actually had a conversation with JP recently 
about it. Cause I was like, I hate social media. I don't want to do TikToks. I don't want to do this. I resent it. Like the punk roots in me are like, no, not happening. And he was like, we just have to find ways to put ourselves into it. Like my life is not glamorous. You know, I don't make millions of dollars a year. I'm not having fancy breakfast every day, but like, this is who I am. This is why this is like what I'm sharing. You know, if it's just me hanging out with my dogs, whatever you are, whoever you are, find ways to put that in there. Like I'm not going to freaking go do a viral TikTok dance. No, no. <laughs> it's never going to happen. And that's okay. You know, for me, I really genuinely believe my managers would be so happy to hear me rant about this because for so long I've been like, not doing TikTok. This is not happening. Yeah. Um, but it really is just like, this is who I am. This is what we're doing. And if the music is there and the music has the soul and the passion and the purpose, social media will follow eventually. Like people have to be there for the music before anything else. Or to me personally, there's no freaking point. I yeah. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's the thing too, is that like with this like viral chase that we're in, especially at hitting like my generation, the generation above me, and especially the generations below us is mm-hmm. like you're hot one day and then you're not the next. Like, I don't know oh how, like, how to not mean girls say it, but like, that's literally what it is. It's like, you can pop the fuck off. Like I use little like tweets that like go viral as an example you'll have like 10k people like a tweet and then the next day you tweet about a podcast or you tweet about music and like nobody gives a fuck and like that's how tiktok is is like you're chasing this thing that's never gonna stop so you have to find that balance of like putting yourself into it using it for the tool it is for what your career is and and like letting it go because it doesn't like those actions are not permanent actions and like they're not creating something permanent in the world like yeah the permit for the day like they're going to be on there forever like the tiktok is there whatever but doing that and then doing something that's going to impact somebody's like life or like make them care about something for a longer period of time like music like what we do every day i feel like holds such a high importance and it's just like finding that balance of the bare minimum that you can be present and then going and doing your thing but some people love it and like hats off to them yeah i I think that's another thing it's so it's such a cool tool it's so cool especially the photography aspect of it absolutely love it but i think another thing that's very unique about the music industry or entertainment industry in general is like when you own a business and you're making socks you market your socks and you can market them however you want. In the inter- entertainment industry, you are marketing yourself. Yes. You're literally selling who I am, how I look, what I talk like, what I think, all of that on social media. You're selling that. And that can be so toxic to your brain. And you do have to get to a point where you're like, okay, I make music. This is what I do. This is who I am. Have that. And then remove, like separate from this, the apps. Cause it's just like, so toxic to constantly be hoping for the viral tweet or viral TikTok or something like that. And we have to step out of that space. Yeah. I, to be completely honest, I am one of those people that I really do love social media for what it is because none of us would have the career that we do, like the independent artist career without social media. Like it has been massively instrumental in all of us being able to do what we want to do. 
what I, the only aspect that I really hate about social media is the, the chasing the virality and chasing the algorithm constantly. So like one of the things that I'm really trying to do and trying to focus on with my social media is just being authentic to me and like being who I am. And if doing video content is not authentic to me, I'm going to, I'm, I'm only going to do it when I feel like it. Like I'm not going to go out of my way to try and chase all these viral trends because it just doesn't make sense for me. And if that means that I'm going to very, very slowly grow my TikTok following, then that's fine. I'm okay with that. And like, I was definitely lucky that I was able to grow my Instagram during the time when like photos were all the rage. And it's kind of crazy to like see the difference. And I have to also like remind myself all the time, just because you used to get 3000 likes on a photo doesn't mean that it's your fault that you're not getting that anymore. It's because Instagram has changed its algorithm. It's not on you. It's on them. It's like just yeah, reminding yourself exactly. that the comparison, the comparison factor is going to ruin everything. Like you just have to do what's best for you and not compare yourself to other people and other creators. Because you get wrapped up in that. And then it like, it can like ruin your day. Like I've literally, yeah, had days yeah. where, like I get up and I'm like, well, like they don't really care. Like it's not, you know, da da da. And and you know, everybody's like the star of their own story. Obviously, like you are living your own life. We're all living our own lives. And 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 it just gets in your head sometimes to where you like let this thing that has nothing to do with how your personal life or your career is going. Yeah, your self worth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I definitely it has these like long term ramifications. And I would say one in every two people are like addicted to it it's definitely oh, yeah addiction i would say more than that probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone, was, probably more than that yeah. yeah especially since we've been stuck inside with the pandemic for two years like i know everybody was i know everyone's screen time went up tenfold i know mine did like oh yeah whoops yeah, <laughs> I, it's such an interesting like juxtaposition because it is such a good tool but it's also like can be a slippery slope of your self-worth getting roped into did I get enough likes on this photo which is fucking insane yeah Yeah. the fact that we say that even like the fact even saying that out loud is just like what yeah and it's interesting too because just because you have a huge Instagram following or get a bunch of likes on a photo doesn't mean that you're music following is growing you know it doesn't mean your spotify followers are growing it doesn't mean your streaming numbers are growing it doesn't mean anything other than not anything because a lot of the times it does but it's interesting to see the correlations where like i genuinely don't believe you have to have a huge instagram following or tiktok following or something like that for your music to grow and i think that's daunting for a lot of new artists to be like if i don't have a hundred thousand instagram followers i'm gonna fail yep oh i do I had 30, almost 30,000 followers on Instagram and it never translated to listeners. Right. Never. Which is so cool so, that you're able to share content and have those people interact with your Instagram content. But how do we... Yeah, but I learned... Yeah, exactly. But I learned, like, obviously I learned the hard way. It doesn't really matter, like, how many followers you have on Instagram if they're not turning into clicks on your music. Like, that's what's really? most important. So... I don't, I don't think it's super important to grow your Instagram following as fast as you can. I think it's super important because I, that's not what I did. I did the opposite and it didn't work. Yeah. So just it's learn just, from my mistakes and don't do that. <laughs> most important to tell the authentic story. It's most important yes, to show yeah. up as yourself 
And if that resonates with people, then eventually, yeah, it is going to translate into <laughs> listens and streams and actual real fans, not people that are like, oh, you're hot. I'm going to follow you on Instagram. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Oversimplify it, <laughs> but you know. No, but that's exactly what it is. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's exactly like, and it, but it's, it's all of these things that feed into this like wheel of things that we have to hone in as we present this, like as ourself, because to say that, you know, talent buyers, especially like in this niche industry, don't look at your social media following is not true. You know, right. they definitely do. And you've seen people pop off because of their social media following. And then that translates into their music. But you've also had people pop off from their social media following. And then two years later, they're lower than they were before because there was never any organic growth and there was never any, it was like a plug and play kind of deal. And there's right. so many people, I mean, you see it on like corporate agencies, you see it on boutique agencies where there are these placeholders that for some out of a hundred reasons are on the agency and they fill this placeholder. And the people that I feel like are able to, you know, live the career to the the fullest and have the longest career shelf life are the ones that are like kind of building those houses out of brick and they're going to yeah. take longer to build. But as long as you're building your organic base and your organic following from that, like that's all that matters because you're like, okay, are these bots going to like buy my merch or buy my tickets? Or like, <laughs> yeah. buy this? Are they going to show up at shows? No, yeah, they're not. Yeah. Are my like, have, like, I'm not asking me for feet uh, pictures or not buying my merch. I can <laughs> at all. And I mean, I definitely think that's something else too that guys don't like traditionally deal with where yeah. I, mean, I get it. Like you have the rave girls that are like all in it for the DJs, like for sure. But as like a woman, it's really, it's, it can be like a really muddy line to toe where you're like, okay, like, is she an artist or is she, like, an influencer or is she, like, yeah. a hot girl DJ? And you have to be both. And you, you have, have to be both. both. All of them. <laughs> and you have to be all of them. And, and to, like, clearly communicate a message takes time. And I think that's yeah. just building on, like, the foundation and roots that, you know, you hold true to yourself and then, like, continuing on. And it is a long journey. I mean, you guys just said you've been doing top lines for, like, six, seven years. Like, this is a long road and like most of the time before you know somebody they've been doing it for 10 years you get yep. that mid to late 20s that you really start to see somebody like come into their own there's very very few people just kind of snap and make it happen and those people usually aren't around five years from now four years from now yeah well, and that was that's actually something that like especially like was probably like five years ago when I was younger I was like it was hard for me to to set aside the comparison factor because me, you know, me at 25, I was like, why, why are these 21 year olds, 19 year olds, 20 year olds doing so much better than me when I've been, yeah. like, when I've been working at this for so long? And it was really hard to turn that off. But now that like, now that I'm, you know, full time and getting a little bit more integrated into the industry and I'm a lot more established as an artist now, I'm, I realized that I just wasn't ready. Like, oh my gosh, that's such a big part of the yeah. whole thing. And it's like, if I, if it had happened to me then, I wouldn't have been as good at it as I am now. So I'm yeah. really glad that it didn't happen for me until later. But it was really hard for my younger brain to be like, hey, stop comparing yourself to other people. Like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. For me, there in the last two years, they have there have been some very distinct collaborations or moments or opportunities that have come up 
that I had been approached with previously when I was like 20, 21. And Mm -hmm. they didn't happen back then. And I was so angry. And so I so much let it affect my self-worth and was like, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Why am I doing this? And then they happen now. And it's like, that's why. Because at 20, I was not ready. I didn't care about myself enough. I didn't have the stability or the awareness or capacity to take this on back then. And had I been handed these opportunities, I would have fumbled it completely. Whereas now it's like, you can kind of look back at your path and at your life and be like, these specific things that didn't fall into place back then were very for very specific reasons. And looking at it now and having that gratitude of like, damn, like, good job, younger me. That sucked. Yep. <laughs> that was discouraging as all fuck. And we still did it. Like, we're still here. And it goes back to so much gratitude of like, those moments that are so discouraging and defeating and freaking doing this full time is not easy. No. And holding on to that, like, hope and faith in yourself and in your career that these things are going to be for a specific reason in the future. Oh, absolutely. And and I think sometimes if I, I've seen, you know, those people where it, it happens at a very young age. And I think my thing is, is when you get that opportunity that like might not come twice or you get to this, this higher place, it's, or you sign with that agent that you're not really ready to sign with, or you're not really going to be a key player in their, in their clientele you can't go back on certain things. So like waiting until you're ready and realizing that certain things are happening for certain reasons. And even though it like pisses you off to all ends of the time and like you question your career, you question it. Am I doing the right thing? Is this, you know, making me happy? Like, is this like kind of like crumbling in? Once you get to that other side, you realize that like it all happened for a reason and you wouldn't be able to bring those experiences to your current moments um, or opportunities if if you didn't have them happen to you in the first place. And it was all just handed to you on a silver platter because usually those people end up like setting themselves on fire. And, 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 and it's just, it's just things where it's like, it does take time. It's like anything. It's like, if you were sitting, you know, at a corporate salary paid position and you were trying to get to the promotion, you were trying to get the next level. And like, that's what we do in our career, but we feel like it's never ending because there's so many things to keep moving forward on. And there's not like this, this piece of paper that goes here, this is a And yeah, and here's a gold tower. And, and here's your, you know, here's your salary increase and here's this and here's that. And all those things that are implemented into our society in a normal structured nine to five working job. We have to create all those things in our own head and still tell ourselves that we're okay and that we're doing better and we're progressing. And it's just, it's, it's definitely mentally tiring at times. And I think that's why having that differentiation between your career and yourself and the things that are making you feel fulfilled and the things that you're doing to pay your bills are all so important. Like so important. Yeah. I wish people told me that when I first started was like, I mean, everybody says it takes forever. Right. But you're like, no, I'm going to be one of those people that just like pops up and gets everything that they want. That's everyone's dream. Yeah. But yeah, I, if, if I would have understood back then, like what I know now is cliche is that is to develop, balance and not think that you have to work every second of every day to achieve your goals and stuff like that and I feel like 
that's something that's come up a lot since the pandemic as well is I think people's focus has shifted from being absolute workaholics to like, is this making me happy? Am I living a sustainable life? Am I finding joy in things? Am I making, you know, vulnerable interpersonal connections and stuff like that? Whereas for me, at least when I first started, I was just like, don't talk to me. I'm writing. Like, <laughs> I'm going to sustain this, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, there's nothing more kind of sad to see when somebody's extremely successful in their career and then they like don't have anybody else around them or they feel like yeah. they're completely isolated. And I think one thing that a lot of people saw when we went into COVID was that we all existed in like this scene and the scene that like was funded off of like or fueled by like social interaction and like your friends were the other people that you saw at the events and da 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 and you know, what happens when that all goes away, which obviously, as we were shown, can so easily happen, you know, and then that brings you back to like, okay, is like my personal life fulfilled? Because like, at the end of your time on like this earth, you know, you would you would like to say that, you know, you've like led a happy life. And I think knowing when to like buckle down and grind, but also knowing when to put your personal like, mental health and physical health um, in front of that is really hard and really difficult and, and something that, you know, people eventually figure out over time, you yeah. know, through their journey, because it's, it's something where you do want to balance both because if one disappears, you want to have the other, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, honestly, exactly. One of the, I think one of the big things that the pandemic really helped me with, because I was I was literally bartending up until the day that they shut the world down. Um, and so I was on weekends, I was out every single night bartending until three in the morning. <laughs> Wouldn't get home until five. And like it and a lot of my friends were my coworkers there and like the people that I was with there and not necessarily a bunch of music people. So the pandemic really helped me take a step back and realize like what relationships were authentic, genuine friendships or were they just drinking buddies from work or, you know, what, what of these relationships is actually benefiting me, you know, emotionally, socially through work, like going through and and like really evaluating all of my relationships and seeing like what's worth holding on to. And when you literally can't see anybody, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like even translates to where, a lot of the relationships you see within our community like aren't genuine sometimes because it's yeah. like who can I be friends with who can help me get to the next level or who can help that. Me? <laughs> and yeah and it's just like a really toxic like business structure to kind of yeah. lie your career on is if yeah. you're kind of trying to meet the next person that can open the next door for you and I think the most opportunities that have been like kind of fallen on my plate are from genuine friendships and like realizing that you're not going to be friends with every DJ. You're not going to be friends with every vocalist. It's just like sitting at the kids table at school. Like you're not going to click with everybody, you know, like you're not going to have that, that like intimate discussion about your life with, you know, the guy playing after you on the stage, you know? So it's, I don't know. It's, it's just finding that you know, that time to take a step back and evaluate where you're at and find those like genuine friendships. Because especially as performers too, you know, when you're 
at a show and you're performing or when you're in a club or whatever, it's like, yeah, everybody wants to be your friend. Like you're the one with the artist band. Like you're the one who's performing and you're the one, you know, you're the special guest vocalist. But when you're not at a show or you're not at a festival, who cares to see if you're okay? And like, those are those moments where you're like, oh, okay. Like this person actually gives a shit. I think as far as like the relationships in the industry, I think it's really interesting too, because if people are constantly going into it, like what, what, what can this person's friendship do to benefit me? I don't think that's like ever going to be a sustainable way to like make real connections. And so the way that I've always looked at it, making friends in the industry is not what they have to offer, but it's like, is this friendship like worth it for both of us just to like have a connection and if something happens from it dope if nothing happens from it who cares like not a big deal at least then i still have a genuine friend and i think that's like the most important way to look at it you know absolutely oh my gosh 100 percent. <laughs> i think it's evident too with like how many people how many artists have moved out of la after the pandemic mm-hmm. there was this i mean there still is obviously a lot of pressure to be there undeniably if you're in a hot spot for the industry you're going to have more in-person sessions you're going to have more opportunities whatever but also there was the shift of like does living here make me happy does living here fulfill the needs that I have as a human being and so many people (laughs) well okay so that's like yeah is it actually so much is it for you is that energy what makes you happy and we're seeing that like the industry doesn't balance on a point, which is LA. The yep. industry is going to keep moving and it's going to keep growing and you're going to keep growing and stuff like that outside of it. As long as you're finding your healthy balance where you're happy and stuff like that. It's super interesting. Obviously I still always feel the pressure to move to LA, but it's good to kind of <laughs> see the, the shift. <laughs> I know. Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm not going to lie. I really do love Los Angeles. However, it's not for everybody and that's okay. Um, I did, I moved out of Los Angeles, um, for like personal reasons with my boyfriend. He had, um, like he had a family member pass away and he had to come move down to Orange County to manage the estate. So, um, because we're in a long-term relationship and he is like my partner and I love him. I was like, screw it. I can work from anywhere. So let's go take care of your thing. And then next year we'll take care of my thing. And so as of this year, we're going to move a little bit closer back up to LA, but still be in Orange County so that he can handle all his stuff in Orange County and I can handle all my stuff in Los Angeles. So it's, you know, it's about finding, yeah, the right life balance for both of you. However, I miss LA. (laughs) Yeah, I was in LA um, for a show for, I was my first time in LA since I was like 12 or 13. And there's like so many parts of it that are like, so awesome. Like you just feel this like energy when you're around certain people and it's like a lot more creative. Like there's so many people that I think have like this very um, creative, but yet ambitious mindset. And I think that's super inspiring to be around, but there's also this side where, you know, it's not right for everybody. And, and I feel like I could like, I feel like I was like, oh my God, I'm so in love. Da, 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 da. But I'm also like, ooh, I kind of like my space and I like being in a home and I like having my studio and I like these certain things. So like finding that balance is super important. And it's also like kind of what you said, um, like finding just that compromise is, you know, I'm in Florida now, which 
I'm not a fan of. And <laughs> so we're actually moving to Denver at the end of this month. Oh, Denver is the spot to be. Yeah, so oh. I'm really excited. We're going out this weekend um, to hopefully find a place and apply and like lease it for a year. And then hopefully at the end of next year, we'll we'll buy. But I've been in Florida for like my whole life. But now, you know, I'm like an hour away, $75 flight, $150 round trip flight to LA. So it's like now this is like a lot more realistic being on the west coast to go to LA if I need to go to LA and it's not like this week-long trip where you got this time change and it's a seven-hour flight and like all of this other stuff so like finding that balance and yeah and I I love Denver and I'm just like, oh, I oh, miss it so much I'll be bugging you all the time yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited and like I just feel I mean Florida's great I just like I'm pale. I don't like the beach. I don't like the sea. Like, I don't like anything that I should be a fan of for being there. And, like, even my dog. Like, my dog's a husky. Like, we just love, like, the cold, the snowboarding. Like, I want to be able to, like, go places and find inspiration from, like, the nature around me and, like, all that stuff, which will be, it'll be cool. And I think moving places helps you grow whether it's like to somewhere or back yes. home or whatever and so I'm I'm really excited for that and just especially as like an artist you're like okay this is this is gonna be like a cool experience and like a yeah. building experience but I really appreciate you guys coming on it means a lot that you guys came on and yeah. talked about your experiences and stuff before I let you guys go um if you guys could just give like one or two pieces of I would say like advice to maybe like a vocalist or a an aspiring top liner to like break into the industry like stuff that wasn't necessarily told to you I know we covered so many things in the podcast that I think will help a lot of girls and you know men who want to break into this industry but things that you would have liked to know specifically before you kind of jumped bridges tell you <laughs> um, <laughs> so first and foremost um and i i really do tell this to everyone i think it's really important if you are entering the industry as a vocalist um to be well informed in your subject like understand a decent amount of music theory really like understand your craft and above all else most importantly understand vocal processing and i know like doing it is not going to be for everybody but it, to be able to to hear the vocal processing and come back and say hey i think it's missing this is like a, a really important skill to have as a vocalist and also if you want to like charge a decent amount do your own vocal processing because then like you are you are providing the full package so it's really i really do think it's an important skill for every vocalist to learn at least on a basic level that's like number 1 first and foremost and second the music industry is literally all about connections it's all about making authentic genuine connections like we just talked about so don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't be afraid to get on Twitter and tweet at people. Like that's how I got half of my collabs was just trolling on Twitter. Just don't be afraid to, to be yourself, put your personality out there and be genuine because people will respond to that. And that's how you're going to be able to build and grow in the industry. Awesome. Thank you. No, that's, that's so Thank great. You. And I, I almost want to like get into the the topic of vocal processing, but we'll save that for another conversation. <laughs> that's like a three hour talk in itself. But yeah, like it just is. basically like take the time to like 
understand music theory and understand that a huge bout of producers, especially coming in as like an aspiring top liner, you're working with newer artists. A lot of producers don't understand music theory. So like if you can understand the basics of music theory like you will be that much more ahead and then just like learn the basics of compression learn the basics of eqing so you can at least give them an idea of like what you want if you're not doing your own so shameless plug i have a patreon where i teach all of this stuff <laughs> yes, yes yes i'm gonna put oh, her yes. patreon and mine in there and, yes. and then we'll just go back because i do the same thing like when I, with like my students i'm like you guys need to learn like like music theory i'm like i get it staying on the root note is cool but like if you ever aspire to like work with vocalists if you ever aspire to do things that are more in that melodic realm like you have to be knowledgeable about what key you're writing in what da, 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 you know yes cool yes okay what about you kate i am actually on the complete opposite side of that i agree with it 100 percent, but i'm not classically trained at all yeah. so for me my main thing is like be hungry for it enough that you find your way around the obstacles that you think are in front of you. You don't need a an $8,000 mic. You don't need the craziest interface. You don't need XYZ thing. You know, if you're hungry for something, be willing enough to find ways around it and ask for help and ask for guidance. And for me, that's like my biggest thing is like, I don't have the most expensive mic. I don't have the most expensive interface, but I wanted this. So I'm doing it. So like, don't be discouraged by, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't be discouraged by where you need to go. Like what you need to learn, where you need to go. If you're hungry for it, just go get it and you will find like your avenue. Um, I guess I agree 100%. Reach out to people, get help. We're obviously all always available. And then my biggest thing Back to mental health, understand that this industry is tough. It's tough work-wise, you know, hours, but it's also hard on your mental health. So before you deep dive into this, make sure that you're checking in on yourself, asking how you're doing, checking in on your brain, what do you need, and making sure that your needs as a human being are being met so that you can show up the best yourself to make those songs as well. A hundred percent. And I think a lot of people who are aspiring to do this, you know, they want to prepare themselves for like the ultimate situation and yeah. you're never going to be prepared for the ultimate situation. So like sometimes throwing yourself in where, you know, you're going to be in like high waters is like the way that you're going to grow. And what you just said is what I've heard so many producers say is that like, work with what you have. You yeah. don't need the hardware synth. You don't need the Apollo. You don't need the $700 mic. You don't need to have a sound treated room. Like it's very basic, the essentials that are needed in order for you to make music that is signable and releasable. Absolutely. Yeah. And like one of the most beautiful things about music, like one of the most beautiful things for me is that like we never stop learning because there never stops being something to learn. Mm -hmm. So like it, it doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are. You could know, you could think you know everything there is to know about vocal production. Then someone's going to come up with a new method the next day. You know, it's, it's a never ending process. So like, obvi like obviously have the hunger to learn, but don't be afraid to jump in while yeah. you're still learning. I think that's and, like the best combination of everyone's. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. Learn to love to learn. Yes. 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 Be That's ready right. for it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 
there you're always going to be like I have no idea how to do this but let's figure it out you know yeah. 100%. and that's the only way you're going to be put in situations where you're working with people who do know or do know at least a yeah. little bit more than you like don't always be like oh my god I have to to know how to do this and know how to do this and know how to do this before I put the demo together to send to this person because it's just that's just not an ideal working situation like you're not always going to be 100% ready but I love the love to learn yeah because you're always learning and you're always going to learn something from somebody else every time I see some like under the hood of somebody's like vocal chain I'm like oh that's a really good little thing right there (laughs) like that that I could definitely use on mine um yeah Hundred percent. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. you guys have been killing it, and I'm really, really excited to see where the rest of 2022 goes for you guys. And you know, hopefully, um, there will be another show that we can all perform together where I don't get COVID. That would be yes, yes, please. That would be, <laughs> that would be amazing. Awesome. Um, okay, sweet. I'm gonna stop recording real quick. All right, thank you guys.